Big Blue Nation, this is the Courtside Connect, your go-to podcast for all things Kentucky basketball and Kentucky basketball's quickest game review podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sack. Today, we have a very special edition of the Courtside Connect. It is the first ever recruiting-based podcast that we we have ever recorded, and I'm not super tapped into recruiting. It's kind of like I like analyzing guys more once they actually get here, but it's definitely a super fun thing to follow. And you definitely want to see who Kentucky has lined up going in. So uh, the EYBL circuit came to Indianapolis this past weekend. Um, Some of the best teams and players and top recruits and our whole coaching staff was down there, I think, except for Antigua, who was at a different event. But it, it was a really good event to be at. Unfortunately, I was not able to make it, but um, a recruiting, I guess you would call analyst, uh, was able, a good friend of mine, Logan Greenwell, I'll have you introduce yourself. How are you doing today? Hey, pretty good, Zach. How you doing? I'm doing great. So is recruiting analyst a good title for you? I know you got your own Twitter account that you're starting up now, your own following that you're trying to build. Yeah, started uh, at L Greenwell Hoops, uh, just started in March. So just trying to start from the ground up. I don't know if I would really go with recruiting analysts right now but I'm trying to get there yeah absolutely I mean so me, me and Logan are in a group chat together shout out HOH um the one of the reasons I feel like you started is because we almost like bullied you into doing it I mean the amount of like names that you find um and like and like recruiting stuff that you put in that group chat where it's like dang man like you, you got to do this publicly I mean you know like way more than us like you know as much as like Travis Graff is putting out there sometimes and he's like a national recruiting so we're not just having any schmuck on this podcast we got a really good one if you don't know Logan go give him a follow but Logan we're gonna have you on here just talk about some things that you saw from the uh the circuit this past weekend in Indianapolis and let, let's start out with a name that everyone in the Big Blue Nation is familiar with that is Dewan Wagner's son DJ Wagner um he is been the top recruit um in his class like since he was a freshman maybe in eighth grade he's been a huge name a guy that's kind of been a Kentucky lock as of late it's kind of more 50 50 between Kentucky and Louisville um depending on where you're looking but I mean he he absolutely balled out he showed why he's one of the top prospects in high school right now what did you see from DJ this past weekend he was the first game that I saw and he could play. It was the first time I had seen him live, and he was always known as a score-first guy. He was going to get his points, but he may not be the most efficient. But this game against Mac Irvin Fire, he came out firing on all cylinders, finding open guys. They weren't necessarily hitting shots, but he was making the right play. He uh, ended with 24 points on 10 of 14 shooting and 3 of 5 from 3. I mean, he just – he was super efficient. I mean, he's getting better at finishing at the rim. If he's open, he's going to knock shots down. Terrific floor game. He knows the game. He's a great defender, had three steals. He did have five turnovers to go with the four assists. But, I mean, when you have the ball, when he has the ball in his hands that much, he's 
you're going to have turnovers. But he was he was outstanding. I mean, he was obviously one of the better players that I saw in the two days. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm not going to compare him to this name. I, I'm, this is just the first example that comes to mind. But when you see like a guy like Amoni Bates, whose name is out there from such a young age, sometimes you just hear that maybe they peak too early. DJ Wagner is a guy that has been at the top of recruiting since like since like the, his first highlight video came out. Um, do, do you see like any plateau to his game? Like starting like with the Moni base, we saw like his sophomore, junior year, he just really wasn't making those year to year progressions. Do, do you see DJ Wagner continuing to make these progressions from year to year? Or are you starting to see a little plateau? Maybe you could get nervous about that. Well, the first time I saw DJ was the ESPN game when he was a freshman with Lance Ware and playing against Evan Mobley at Hoopal. Uh, and he was he was great that game. I think he ended up with 21 points. Uh, with going through COVID and everything, not being able to play EYBL. Uh, and then last year he killed it. I think he's just going to keep getting better. I mean, he he's a dog. I mean, he competes. He plays hard. And I just – I think he's going to be really special. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that sticks out to me with the 2023 class is that you you have a pair of elite guards in Wagner and Dillingham. And then you have, like, six to seven to eight elite, like, wings that are all, like, play the three or the four, two through four, somewhere in there. Um, that, that's really hard to separate. But one thing that's really lacking is, like, a true, like, okay, this is the center in the class. Like, it doesn't have – Apollo Bancaro it doesn't have a Derek Lively honestly thank God because they would probably just go to Duke anyways but um one of one of the prospective names to potentially be that top big in the class um is DJ Wagner's teammate Aaron Bradshaw he's a guy I wasn't really high on but he's in my opinion has made a lot of leaps especially over the past several months yeah he has uh in the game against Mac Evan Fire I mean six points nine rebounds three assists, three blocks, and altered probably 10 shots. Seven-footer elite rim protector. He's got a good-looking jump shot that he can hit threes, but he he didn't take any in this game. Uh, he's got a soft touch. He's working on the jump hooks and everything. So he's really raw right now, but he, he has as much potential as a big guy in this class as anybody. Yeah, and it's been a minute since we've had a rim protector at Kentucky. I mean, kind of Nick Richards, but, like, I, w I wouldn't call him an elite rim protector, but it's probably the last time we've seen one. Before we've had an elite rim protector, maybe Willie Cauley-Stein is probably the last name we have to go back to in 2015. Um, what would the dynamic of Kentucky change? I mean, especially if you already have, like, a scorer like DJ Wagner or Robert Dillingham in the backcourt, would you like to see more of a rim protector, not – maybe not much as a low post threat though? I would just because if you have an elite rim protector on the defensive end, you can gamble a little more. You can pressure out and not worry about getting beat because you have that security blanket behind you. Yeah, completely. And just looking at Lance Ware, he's coming, it appears he's coming back for his junior year. You have a guy like Damian Collins who's coming back for his sophomore year. I wouldn't be surprised if at least one of them returned for another year the following season. I think Damian Collins has a chance to go pro, but I still think he might be another year away. If you get an Aaron Bradshaw and you return back to the, both of those guys, 
can you see those three working together? Do you think they complement each other well? I really, I really do, because uh, I think Damian's going to try and trans transition into a four man. So him playing along Bradshaw and Damian being a junior, I mean, who's going to score in the paint on those two? I mean, Damian's just a freak athlete, and then Bradshaw has as good a timing as a shot blocker as anybody. Yeah, completely agree. So moving on, the first game that I saw was, I think it was Team Final against Team Hero. I watched into that one a lot because Justin Edwards plays for Team Final. And you look at the past several, past couple years, the recruiting trends for Kentucky, especially with now the transfer portal is, go out and get your guy and then try to kind of fill in the gaps with um, the rest of, like within the, with the transfer portal, that's kind of where you're filling in gaps. Like Cason Wallace is your guy. He's a can't miss top five guy. So we're not seeing the five, six man classes anymore because it seems like we're moving away from those 15 to 25 range guys. And, and Justin Edwards, a, a couple months ago, I'm kind of worrying, okay, is he like uh, a modest, uh, bezealous like type level who I have like as one of my top wing prospects? Is he that level or is he fit into more like the 10, 20 range? Justin Edwards balls out and he balled out and he showed me that he can be that guy. W would you agree with that analysis? Yeah, he was one of my favorite players that I saw. Uh, Left-handed, six foot seven, six foot eight, gets to his spots, silky pull-up jumper. I mean, he had a play where uh, defensively he blocked a shot sprinted down the floor and got the ball on the right not really the right wing just right of the top of the key shot fake drove left and dunked on Milan Mavzlovic right in front of John Calipari I mean that's you're gonna make that play right in front of coach Cal that's 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 a great uh impact that's a that's huge absolutely and one of the things that stands out with him I feel like, especially at this stage, like as a guy going from his junior to his senior season, you don't see a lot of guys that are really well-rounded scorers. You see your freak athletes with good size, like a Justin Edwards who could get to the rim with ease and they like to dunk a lot, like a Chris Livingston would. Um, and then you also just see your guards that like to just shoot a bunch. And it's rare that you see a guy with Justin Edwards with his athleticism that's also able to like knock down his jump shots and be a pure three level scorer. I, I mean, how, how many better scores do you think are actually in like this class than him? I, I might have him as like number one or two. There's, there's not many. I mean, and the guy that he was playing against Milan Momslovich is right up there. Uh, but I see Justin Edwards, my comp form is a Rodney Hood type. I mean, they're both left-handed. They both score from three. They can both get to the rim, and they both have mid-range games. Yeah, I completely agree. And in that game, um, one thing that stood out to me, you, you brought out Milan a couple times now. I did not know who that was going into this game. Um, I, he's not rated really high. He's unranked in some recruiting services. I mean, ESPN, if you want to take them seriously, he's not recruited there or ranked there. Uh, but he balled out. I mean, you talk about a three-level score. I mean, he was getting to the rim. He, he was knocking down threes, especially for his size. Um, I thought he was doing pretty well on both ends. For a guy I've never heard of before, 
I mean, I feel like this is a guy that's really going to start rising up some recruiting rankings in the coming weeks. Yeah, he was one of those efficient guys. I mean, six of 11 from the, or sorry, nine of 16 uh, from the floor, three of seven for three, 24 points, three rebounds, two assists, did have two turnovers, but just so skilled. He's an elite shooter, uses his body well, and plays from the inside out. You know, he had a mismatch and he'd go down to the post. And then they'd switch off on him with a bigger guy, and he'd take him out to the outside and just do his thing. I mean, he just – he was a smart player. Uh, I have a little bit of doubts on the defensive end because uh, when he was bringing Edwards, he was getting cooked, which Edwards is going to do that to a lot of guys. But it really wasn't a good matchup for him. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't fault them too much for not being able to guard Justin Edwards. There's few guys at this level that really can. Um, do you, do you think he's more of like a three or like of a stretch four? I couldn't really tell. I think he's more of a stretch four. Uh, he's probably a six eight and sort of a Brady Manic type. Not as not as long, but uh, probably just as good of a shooter. Honestly, I really like him. Better ball handler. Uh, I think he has the potential to be a decent playmaker off the dribble. But, yeah, I, I like him a lot. Yeah, I, again, I still – I still um, there's still a lot of work left to be done as recruiting. I, I know Kentucky's kind of picked up the pace a little bit with them. If you see him come to Kentucky, do you think that he's going to move up a lot enough where he's going to be an instant impact type guy? Or do you think maybe we should still pump the brakes a little or we take him, but maybe we have expectations as like a two to three year uh, collegiate player? I don't see him as a one and done, but I think he, he's a really good basketball player that will impact games immediately. Uh, coming off the bench, maybe being a shooter, uh, he's always a threat. Uh, to score the basketball so I think he's he may not be a one-and-done type but he's definitely an instant impact guy absolutely so one of the biggest talks of Twitter over the weekend was um with DJ Wagner seemingly trending a little bit more towards Louisville was Robert Dillingham and this was a guy that we thought was initially going to commit to Kentucky out of nowhere, surprises everyone goes to NC State and has since decommitted from NC State. His recruitment is wide open, kind of a flaky situation. I mean, he goes to Donda Academy, so not too surprising there. But um, he looks like he can be – he has the potential to be the best player in this draft class. I mean, he – well, that that's not including the 7-4 guy that's not going to be playing in college basketball, of course. But um, he, he looks like he could be one of the best – freshman in college basketball next year he's a guard that gets to all of his spots he has range he could finish I mean it, it looked like he was a much improved just like playmaker as well with some passing I mean everyone was talking about him on Twitter and how good of a game or how good he was playing what what did you see from him this weekend he can flat out go I he went six of 11 five of nine from three 17 points three rebounds five assists Oh, he plays at his pace. He never gets sped up. I mean, he shoots well off screens. He shoots well wide open off the catch. And he's an elite playmaker. He makes passes that I have no idea how he squeezes the ball through the gaps. Uh, he is the real deal. Uh, honestly, watching him on the floor, he's – to me, he kind of seems like a quicker tie-tie. 
that's 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 who I saw uh, here. But when when he sees a gap, he explodes through it. I mean, there's nobody that stays in front of him one on one. The game that I saw he was playing against New York Rins has a Simeon Wilcher that's committed to North Carolina, which he was coming off an ankle injury, but uh, he had him in hell. He couldn't stay in front of him. The jump shot was going, and then once they overextended, he drove past him, and he'd find an open guy for a dunk. Yeah, I mean, so Dillingham has more than enough ability to operate in isolation just because, like you said, no one could stay in front of him. But what kind of impressed me is how well he worked in the pick and roll, especially in, like, the like pull-up jumper game off of a screen like if you give him a screen he has just enough space to come up and hit a three kind of like what you see obviously a lesser version of what you see with like Steph or Trey Young or Damian Lillard in the NBA I was kind of seeing that type of stuff and everyone in college the best college basketball teams everyone in the final four utilized pick and roll with a scoring guard and I could see him doing that immediately at the college basketball level yeah, he's he's great in the pick and roll. Uh, like I said, he finds ways to squeeze the ball through gaps to find open teammates so easily. Yep, completely agree. So moving on, we've, we've had a lot of good things to say at this point. One of my favorite prospects in this class, maybe my favorite prospect before this weekend, was Ron Holland, a guy that I was begging. I am literally on my knees begging John Calipari to reach out um, because it just seems like he wouldn't. This weekend, I started to have some concerns. I mean, this was a guy that I've always thought played with a great motor. He was not hunting his shot this weekend. He he wasn't playing as hard as I used to see him doing. He, he was just, it looked like he was just kind of out there just jogging back and forth. And I, I was really turned off by the effort. Do you, do you share that concern with Ron Holland? He... Going into the weekend, he was one of the guys that I was looking forward to watching, and he was very underwhelming uh, in the game, in the full game that I watched against Mo Can Elite. His county numbers looked outstanding: ten points, thirteen rebounds, and but he was three for ten from the field, one of six from three. I thought he settled way too much, and on the offensive end. It seemed like they would come down, he'd stand in the corner, and the only time that he would move was if it would benefit him. Like, he would cut to the basket if he had an open alley, but his guys wouldn't find him and he'd get upset. The body language wasn't great, to be honest with you. Uh, defensively, he did not have the impact that I thought he would. And, yeah, just completely underwhelmed by him. Yeah, I, I heard a little rumor. I forget where it was, but some something saying that he might have been coming off of an injury. To me, like, maybe that's the case. Maybe it was in his head. I mean, we were seeing, like, a guy like Kellen Grady, a guy that wasn't as aggressive shooting the ball when, when he was dealing with an injury. But but to me, it, he just didn't look in the game. And like you, you said it perfectly, like, there would be times where he was off the ball and he'd be just standing 28 feet away from the hoop almost getting ready for his team to put up a shot and just start jogging back to the other end. He was the last person to get on offense. He was the last person to get on defense. That's some red flag. So again, I'm not completely off on him because I've seen what he looks like at his best. And again, maybe might've been injured, but I think that is definitely something to look out for the next time we see him play. Like are these motor concerns, like, are they legit? Like, are, are you legitimately concerned where you're 
out on him, or are you just kind of like me? You're just pumping the brakes a little, maybe kind of see him one more time. I'm gonna pump the brakes a little bit. I need to see more of him because that was that was really the first time that I'd seen him play. But as far as potential wise, he he might have the most potential in this class. He maybe end up the best NBA player out of this class, but potential doesn't mean anything when you don't play hard. Yep. Could it, could he it. needs to find that consistent motor, and I think he needs to get downhill more instead of settling for threes. In the – let's see, he went one for six in the game that I watched, and then in another game uh, he ended up going over six from the field and over two for three with zero points. I mean – that's telling me he may be settling for bad shots. I know in the game, I watched one quarter, maybe a quarter and a half of that game. And something else that turned me off about him was he got a breakaway dunk and he missed it, which that happens, you know. Uh, the other team really didn't get back on defense and they got the offensive rebound. They kicked it back to him again and he went to dunk it again with a little more flair and he missed it. Ended up, he only played 11 minutes that game. His team ended up losing by one point. So those two missed dunks are huge. So that's something, in my opinion, uh, in AAU basketball, really, it's more for the guys to get off. It's not really about winning. But as a competitive guy, you need to, I mean, winning should be your first priority, I think. Yeah, completely. Like I said, going into the weekend, Ron Holland might have been my favorite prospect. Um, kind of turned off a little bit, not completely giving up on him. But the guy that is definitely my new favorite prospect in this class, sorry if I butcher the name, Andre Soyakovich of the Compton Magic. He was not at the event I believe you were at. He was at an Adidas one. Am I correct there? He was, Yeah, he was in, uh, I believe, Spartanburg, South Carolina for Adidas. But yeah, but I, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but Kentucky officially offered him this weekend. I mean, this is a guy that I think has the potential to be one of the best scorers in the class. Like, you see the last name Stoyakovich, you know the guy's going to shoot. You know you know he can shoot. But he looked like, again, like a really good three-level scorer. He reminded me a lot of Tyler Hero did at high school, the guy that could get to the rim, use his size to pull up defenders, pull up in mid-range, pull up from three, step backs. He's got a deep bag. Um, have you been able to watch some film? And if so, what have you been able to take away from his game? I watched a little bit of the game on YouTube of Compton Magic versus uh, Strive for Greatness, EYBL. And Tyler Hero was the name that I thought of. He had a play, uh, I think, first pe- first possession of the game. He uh, he drove in and hit a little mid-range jumper. And then he comes down and hits a pull-up three. And it just looked exactly like Tyler Hero. Uh, but, yeah, he's high-level high level shooter both off the catch, both off the dribble, you know. I think he's an underrated athlete at this point, and he just – he's difficult guard. He's crafty. He, he moves well. I think he's a good prospect. Yep. So, obviously, Kentucky reached out to him. Um, they gave him an offer, so that means he obviously can come to Kentucky. Do you, do you think that this could be a guy like Tyre Hero that we plug in and he's like a – a second or third, sometimes even a first scoring option on Kentucky. I mean, it's hard to 
this far out say, okay, yeah, this is going to be our number one scoring option. But do you think he could come to Kentucky and be like an immediate starter? I'm personally that high on him. I need to see a little more on him. Uh, I don't know. I think Tyler Hero's situation, uh, I don't know if we ever really see that again. I mean, he came in severely underrated with, I mean, he was projected to be what, probably a two or three year guy and ended up going in the lottery. Uh, he's, he's, he's very skilled, but I'm going to pump the brakes just a little bit on him maybe being like Tyler. I think he would be a nice piece off the bench, but I need to see more of him. Fair enough. So that, that's kind of all the players that I wanted to talk about. Some of the biggest Kentucky targets, some of the guys that I personally got to watch. Um, but you were at the event all weekend. Was there anyone that we didn't get to talk about that you think people need to be talking about more or just really impressed you that you just have to talk about them? Yeah, I got a, I got two individual guys, and then I got a full team that really impressed me. Uh, Kentucky fans don't want to hear this, but Duke commit Sean Stewart for Florida Rebels is a man-child. 6'8", monster on the glass. 12 points, 12 rebounds against all Ohio. He's so athletic. He's got soft touch in the mid-range. He plays hard. He blocks shots. He was really good. I'm really not sure what he's ranked, but his ranking should go up. Uh, and then I saw uh, arguably the top player in the country, Gigi Jackson. Uh, he had 17 points and 11 rebounds against uh, Team Why Not. Uh, just elite. Plays with great effort. He's a rim protector. He really reminds me a little bit of a Jabari Smith type. Uh, even though the one thing with Jabari is his handle isn't that great. Uh, Gigi has some perimeter skills, but I would say his handle is not as good as even Jabari's. So when he gets to college, that's something he needs to work on. But he's a, he's a low down low, probably 6'10", every bit of 230 pounds of extremely athletic but uh just played plays really hard so with uh, gg before you move on really quick he is expected to commit i believe this week wednesday um a lot of the crystal balls are going north carolina that seems to be the favorite well there's also some rumors that he might be a reclass guy north carolina is bringing everyone but brady manic back so you could see him slide right into that four position do you like him as a 2022 guy or, I mean, you're obviously high on him as a 2023 guy. Do you think he's ready to make that jump? Yeah, I think he is. I mean, he's got the body and I, with all the talent that he's going to have around him, I think it'll be a nice transition. He won't be asked to do too much. Now Carolina fans may, may differ just because he's arguably the number one prospect. And if he doesn't, show out they may be a little disappointed but I think I think it would be a perfect situation for him to reclass if he does yeah I mean we saw we saw last year with all the top I guess you would call them fours in the country they're all different um Paulo Bancaro he got to play next to a veteran center in Mark Williams Chet Holmgren again depending on what you want to call him I'm going to call him a four he got to play next to Drew Timmy future Wildcat of course um, uh, Timmy Timmy Town, baby. And then Jabari Smith, who, who was kind of more of a three or a four, he got to play against Walker or play next to Walker Kessler. So, I mean, do you think a Gigi Jackson, a guy who's trying to make this next step, it, it kind of like helps him a lot to play next to Armando Baycott, right? 
Right, and it it helps Armando Baycott also because Gigi's a good enough shooter that you have to stay out on him, not at the Brady Manic level, obviously, because there's not a lot of guys that shoot like Brady Manic. Maybe Larry Bird, that's it. Uh, but opening up the floor for Baycott, that's you can't beat that. No, completely agree. And uh, you, I believe you said you had one team that really stood out to you as well. Who would that be? The uh, Indy Heat Gym Rats team. You know, I'm, I live in Indiana. I love my Indiana boys. And they showed out this weekend. They went 4-0. They won, uh, let's see, they won the first game by 20 points. And uh, their backcourt, they, in my opinion, they have arguably the best backcourt. Michigan State commit Jeremy Fears and uh, Purdue commit Draven Gibbs, Lawhorn. They both played in the NIBC. Uh, Jeremy Fears plays at Lalamere. Uh, Dre Gibbs, Lawhorn plays at Montbird, just won a national title. Uh, he averaged 21 points a game in the four games. Uh, he was he was on fire. It, he was really impressive. And then uh, Louisville commit Caleb Glenn is a monster. He has the widest shoulders I've ever seen. He kills it on the glass. He's extending the three-point range and just he's skilled enough to where he can take guys off the dribble and he's and they can't stay in front of him just because he's so physical. And then they have uh, one more kid on the team is uh, Jermaine Coleman. He's a six-seven wing from Indianapolis Park Tudor. Uh, a lot of mid-major schools, but there's some high majors, Pitt, Ohio State reaching out to him. Arguably the best 3 and D guy in the whole EYBL. If he's open, he's going to knock it down. Left-handed shooter, uh, nice little handle, hits the mid-range. He's just a really nice prospect that's kind of going uh, under the radar right now. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate you coming on and dropping all the knowledge that you did. Really quick, I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, you can include Gigi if you want, but what's like your top three, four, are, are any, are, what's your top arbitrary number of prospects um, in the class of 2023? Now, again, you could include Gigi if you want, as he's technically still there, even though it reclasses on the table. Who my top five are? Yeah, whatever number you feel good with. Uh, man, I'll go uh, DJ Wagner. And in no particular order, I'll go uh, DJ. I'll go GG. I'll go Rob. Man, this is tough. Uh, I really, I really like what I saw from a uh, modest. Buzelis. I didn't I didn't see him this weekend, but I saw him the first the first session. Uh I really liked what, what he was doing. Really skilled. And uh yeah, I like those four. All right. I like it. I, I love those four too. Modest. Um I don't know if I see him at Kentucky because I feel like I've heard a lot um about him wanting to handle the ball more. And I don't know if Cal Perry will ever allow a six eleven guy to handle the ball that much. Seems like he likes more of a pure point guard. So I could see a guy like Shire being like, yeah, sure, be our point guard. I don't care. But um, just to he, get him on campus. Yeah, he, he's he's one of my favorite players in the class as well. So again, I, I really appreciate you coming on, dropping all the knowledge that you did. Um, if people liked what they heard from you today, where can they find you and your work? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at L Greenwell Hoops, and uh, yeah, just hit me with a follow. Hopefully, everybody likes my content.
and I'm working on I'm working on a website. So I'll drop yeah. that whenever it's finished. Yeah, absolutely. If you follow me on Twitter, just go look wherever this uh podcast is posted. I'll I'll have his Twitter account plugged in there. But yeah, definitely go give him a follow. Once again, thank you for coming on and thank you everyone for listening. And as always, go cats. Just need to clear my mind.